Well, hey there, sweet peas. Welcome back to Friendless. I'm your host, James Avramenko, back once again with a brand new episode with very special returning guest, Shanda Stephenson. Shanda and I celebrate her brand new ADHD diagnosis. We discuss shifting our careers away from poetry, and we talk about the struggles of making friends later in life. All that and so much more. It was such a treat catching up with Shanda, and I know you're going to love this episode. So for now, lean back, get comfy, set your volume at a reasonable level, and enjoy my interview with the one and only Shanda Stephenson here on Friendless. So this week on Friendless, I have the return of a former guest of the show and a dear friend of mine from from back in Saskatoon, the one, the only Shanda Stephenson. How are you today? It has been forever. I'm good. Yeah, it has been forever. How are you, James? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I got like a funny. I I got a little bit of a late start today. I um I uh there's these funny things going on in my apartment that I cannot for the life of me get to the bottom of. Um, my like late at night, my my bed like just like vibrates constantly. Um, and I can't tell if it's like someone doing like laundry late at night or if it's like someone has like a like a massage chair or something like that, you know, because it's just this like constant vibration. And sometimes it goes on for hours. And um, my like landlord has gone to other suites and like asked around and nobody feels it and nobody knows what they're talking about. Like, it, and so it's just this mystery, you know, it's ghosts. I, that's what I said. I was like, uh oh, you know, <laughs> Brett Row, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, so that's, that's, uh, I was like, I was up like late, like, like knocking on walls and trying to get people to shut the fuck up and no one was. So, jeez. Oh, <laughs> um, so Shanda, you know, uh, as I mentioned, you, you have been a, pre- a previous guest, but, for anyone who may not be familiar with you, um, I always love starting interviews with a, with a very blunt question of who the hell are you? Oh, gosh, that's like the <laughs> the quintessential question. Uh, short answer. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when we first met and became friends, I was uh, really involved in like the spoken word and poetry community and theater and stuff like that but I don't know a lot has changed the world has changed my life has changed your life has changed and uh I don't know these days I like work and stay home and like adore my cat and like hang out with my husband who's also been on your podcast and I don't know who am I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, this is like since introducing this question, it's become one of my favorite like segments of the show because it um it can spark so much like existential angst, but it also <laughs> is like really beautiful. I I it's something that I really love about the question about all these questions is like I love seeing where the impulse of the question takes takes the 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 questiony, you know, mm. and, and, and I never want to cause pain. I never want to cause, you know, but it's like, it's almost interesting to think about how, how close to the surface, the uncertainty of, of these things are, you know, mm. and yet we all, I think collectively, like, just try to like, kind of ignore <laughs> it, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. What, like, what is that? 
what did yeah i don't know it's actually something that's been like kind of forefront uh, randomly that we're talking about it now but it's something i've been questioning a lot lately because about three months ago i got diagnosed with adhd mm, congratulations yeah and um it's like so my whole personality was just a lack of dopamine <laughs> like <laughs> So I'm not quirky. I'm just like need to be medicated. Like, <laughs> so, and this question of like, are we just a collection of our like hormones and like mm. electric impulses in our brain? Like, yeah. So yeah, it's been something that I, I'm not struggling with, but it's been on my mind. Like, what does this mean for like who I am? What does it mean for my future? What does it mean for like retroactively looking at all the choices or like non-choices that I made in my life? And like, yeah. How, how has that been feeling for you? I know, I know for me, when I, when I was diagnosed a couple of years ago, it, um, there, there ended up being, there was this sort of like initial real peak of excitement because I was like oh oh that okay I see myself a little better now and then there was this really sudden drop of like mourning you know mm -hmm. and sadness about like realizing how much I'd been struggling without even knowing it and how much I felt I'd lost out on and 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 all those paths and all those lives that I I was like punishing myself for not leave, living or leading but also recognizing like that was never going to be possible and mm -hmm. so so having to really reconcile all that stuff and it's ongoing for me but like but how has that been landing for you lately yeah kind of the same it was like um like I actually started down the path of trying to get a diagnosis because my niece was diagnosed a couple years ago she's 19 and just like hearing her talk about it I was like that's me <laughs> like mm -hmm. And especially for women and girls, it's mm -hmm. so different than like the uninformed person believes what ADHD is. It doesn't exactly. present like that at all, especially in girls and women. And so just be, you know, I did all this research into it and watched all the YouTubers and was just like, like, it makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. And kind of that same thing, like if somebody had figured this out like 20 years ago, like where, where would my life have gone? And it was um, interesting too, because I was in high school, I was like a real go-getter. Mm -hmm. I did everything, you know, I had good grades, all of the things. And then in my, the end, tail end of my second year of university, my sister passed away. Mm. And it was like this sharp change where I couldn't get myself to do anything. I would stay up until four in the morning watching Law and Order reruns and like drag my ass to class and like sleep through half my classes. And mm. like, it's like, it's like, like the trauma and the grief and all of that just kind of like flipped a switch mm -hmm. on to like on. And I just got, you know, I was coping and then it was just like, I wasn't, you know? Yes. And then now I'm in my forties and like perimenopause and like the pandemic and the stress and like it, same kind of thing. I just was like, shut down. I am not coping with anything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was very much like, 
yeah, I was excited to finally have an answer for why, like, I'm not just a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not just bad at adulting, bad at humaning. Yeah. You know, there's like something legitimately physically wrong with my brain. Mm. But then, yeah, this, like you said, like a mourning, like Mm -hmm. this deep sadness for like what could have been. Yeah. And, um, Like one of my therapists that I've seen over the years was, you know, whenever I would get into these, like, what could have been, she's like, you're just going to like, what if yourself to death? Like, yes, that's what what my therapist always says. Yeah. yeah, Like, what if you had bought a winning lottery ticket seven years ago? Like there's a million what ifs. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to just really focus on like what it means for my future and, and what this knowledge and, you know, I'm seeing a like an ADHD counselor and like mm. on medication and I'm doing a lot better. Like I feel yeah. like I'm thriving in a way that I haven't in a really long time. So it's, yeah, it's exciting, but also just like, how the fuck did nobody catch this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I want to, I want to flag something and this isn't like a, this isn't meant as like a, but you know, I, I hear this in myself all the time and I and when I hear other people say it aloud too it really catches my ear is is framing it in ourselves as our brains are wrong or our brains are broken right mm-hmm. you know there's something wrong with my brain and there isn't it's just how your brain is yeah. right you know yeah um as far as I'm concerned too the more I research the more I learn about it the more I recognize that if we're going to frame it as good or bad which I try my best to not in any case but if we're going to I would actually much prefer, um, you know, sort of a, I use the blankets of like holistic and autistic, even though like autism and ADHD are more just comorbidities. They're not exactly one-to-one, but like um, for simplicity, I usually use those framings, you know, and I, I would substantially prefer an autistic brain over an holistic brain, you know, because um, just because a brain can function within a society or a system like capitalism doesn't make it good. In fact, that makes it a very scary brain, you know, mm. and I think I think um, something like an autistic brain, which is designed, if you really look at it, for um, a type of state that the natural human seems to be more built for, you know, uh, a little bit more hunter gatherer, a little more like, you know, um, you know, the ability to, 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 to multitask and the ability to be aware of things that others wouldn't be, you know, that's really good for the group. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually uh, I think it's a really beautiful brain formation and i and i i just recognize that it makes surviving in this system so much harder you know yeah yeah and yeah. Uh, i just i always try to just flame it as like you're not broken there's nothing to fix <laughs> you know there's nothing to fix yeah. we just we also do play within a system and a set of rules that makes our lives substantially harder you know yeah. and 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 so we get to decide like like you say about our future, you know, so we could decide like, so how do we cope and how much of the game do we buy into, you know, for our survival and how much of it do we say, yeah, fuck all that noise. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I know. Like I, I was like, I've been, I've been a square peg trying to fit myself into a round hole my whole life. Yes. And it's like, just be a square peg. Like Bingo. Bingo. find, find a square hole, you know? Exactly. So yeah, it's been, it's been like freeing and um, yeah. In, in ways that like, yeah, I don't know. Mm. It's, it's, it's only been like three months and it's been, 
a quick sort of like hyper focus was my new hyper focus kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, it's like every things make so much sense now. Like Mm -hmm. all the the ways my life has shaped up, kind of thing. So, well, and the creativity, you know, and I think I think and that's another element that it's like I don't I I know I wouldn't be as creative as I am without my my autistic brain you know Mm -hmm. and so I really cherish that because I cherish my creativity you know yeah and and so it's like yeah okay I can't hold down a office job I can't do it but like gives a fuck no one Mm -hmm. should no one should Mm -hmm. be able to do that you know like (laughs) yeah it's funny because I was um like I work in healthcare and um there's an occupational therapist that I work uh, I don't work in the office anymore but when I was And I was going through this journey and I was talking with her a lot about it. And she's like, so do you find that your symptoms are like interfering with like your work and your daily life? And I was like, well, at work, I I cope pretty well. I'm pretty good at like masking, I guess. And I mean, I have sort of like a constant low grade panic attack all day, but I'm I'm, like functioning pretty well. And she's like, that that doesn't sound like functioning well. (laughs) I was like, Oh, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just so used to it that it feels normal. So yes. the idea of like, yeah, that that low grade anxiety always being present, like that's not that's not what being alive is. You know, yeah. being alive isn't being afraid. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking on the creativity end, um, you know, you're someone who is a, a beautiful poet and and has has done so much work within the the art community and you know i know that there was so much like i think even before the pandemic things were already kind of shifting away and 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 i know a lot of like when i showed up in saskatoon the scene was already sort of like just not not like completely breaking up but it was shifting and it was changing and who had been a part of it was sort of moving out and there was a new sort of a new wave of people who i i don't think either of us had added forgive me i'm not meaning to speak for you but like I got the impression neither of us had much interest in participating in the new scene, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and and I'm curious in the in the, you know, the the following years, um, have you been maintaining any kind of personal practice or have you been working on anything outside or or how has that been going for you? No, it hasn't been going at all. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! No, yeah, I know. Um, the pandemic really fucked me. Like I was yeah I was not okay (laughs) and I feel like for like three years I was just in like survival mode and it was like do what you need to do to get through the day and work was so stressful and then you know all this other ADHD and everything on top of it and um like working in healthcare and you know so yeah I just was like survival mode and I've both Steven and I have had a really hard time just like getting back into like thriving mode, like doing Mm -hmm. the things that we enjoy. And um, yeah, the other day I was like, didn't we used to do things? Like, what did we do? Cause like now it's like, what do you want to do today? (laughs) We go shopping because for so long, that's all you could do. That's right. It was the only thing open. So you just go. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm sure we did things like this wasn't our life before. So yeah, I I feel like Steve and I are both really 
on on the cusp of like we really want to like examine our life and decide like what's important to us and what we want instead of just kind of like coasting we want to like invest in I don't know invest in our lives invest in our relationship ourselves and yeah, yeah and figure out how to not just survive anymore you know yeah well and you know it's it's also the thing you know coming back to something we just talked about is that it's like you know something i work on with my therapist all the time in un, in in undoing those like shame spirals and in breaking those those loops is is recognizing that like to be able to feel anxiety means you're alive and to be alive means that you have some sort of future you know mm-hmm. like like you, the future is only done when you're dead you know and and at that point it won't matter <laughs> you know it's true so so <laughs> so it's like there there you know there there can be some very very uh quick like existential dread behind that but you know because of the nature of our brains you know like you said about you're able to see worst case scenarios really fast and that's that's a product of the ADHD brain is mm. to be able to see connections and then jump to conclusions and synthesis really fast you know and so you hear one thing and you're you know you hear point a and your brain can jump to point g in an instant you know <laughs> and 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 it's and and for me it's about processing back to like okay we're only going to get ourselves to point b and that's it and that's all we're going to worry about right now because that's the only step we have everything mm-hmm. else is just theoretical you know and and recognizing that there are so many societal myths around when you can be successful and when you can start living and when you have to stop living and when you have to give up a dream and when you can no longer have that dream, you know? And I, I, I often frame that around art, you know, because there's all the myths of if you haven't made it before whatever age, you'll never make it. And, and my question right now for myself has been, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll even kind of open this up to you to, to, to answer if you're comfortable with it is like, what even is making it, you know, like, like what success is it? Is it, I wrote a song or is it, I got to play a song in a stadium, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like what is, what is success to the creative impulse? Yeah. Well, and that's something that like coming from like slam, it's mm-hmm. doing poetry slams and like having a constant like oh if I write this new poem I'm gonna perform it or and get scored on it and like mm-hmm. it uh did such fucked up things to my like creative practice yes <laughs> it's it's almost like like I would never want to have a job as a creative person just because trying like making something you're living just changes a relationship to it so much yes but then it's also like and maybe it's adhd but i like i only work to deadline you know mm-hmm. i don't just do things well certain things like playing video games for five hours a day but like yeah. Fuck you know i need you know it's the like I have to have a, a place for it to go almost like I'm mm-hmm. it's, I find it so hard to just like, I'm going to write this and then like nobody will ever see it or read it. Like, mm-hmm. so I've talked with my therapist a lot about this too, where it's just like, what, like, can't you just do it just cause if like it helps you or if yes. it, it feels nice or, you know, doesn't, does it matter if no one's ever going to see it? And yeah, like what, yeah, what is, I like I don't care about like success 
you know, I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be rich. I just want to like a happy, comfortable life, Mm -hmm. which that's, it's a whole nother thing. Like putting pressure on yourself to be happy is a whole other discussion. Big time. time. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I still like, I still have creative impulses and there's like, there's definitely something lacking in my life when I'm not doing, you know, and it's been so many different things over my life. Like I would play guitar and write songs or then I did poetry and playwriting and I did like collage art and like Mm. sewing and cross stitch. And and I only recently figured out I had ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) The signs are all there, but anyway, (laughs) but just to have something cooking, you know, anything, just some kind of way to like take the things inside of me and put them outside of me. That's right. And my, like my mental, spiritual, whatever health has definitely suffered from not doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you know, it's something I've talked about many times on the show. I'm sure we even have just talked about it in private is that like, um, you know, to sound like the broken record that I am, like, uh, I think, I think, capitalism has fundamentally murdered the spirit of art because Mm. you know art to me i mean there's many you know art is obviously one of those nebulous terms and it's many 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 things but to me and my creative and artistic practice it's it's catharsis for me you know it's getting experiences thoughts impulses out of my body and onto something else out Mm -hmm. of me you know and and you know so so um it's it's rarely been you know i still harbor you know i still harbor deep like very very traumatized framings of like wanting to be a cool kid you know wanting to be a part of the cool kid group wanting to wanting to be validated wanting to be seen you know and and accepted and and so, and you know when i was young i tied that up with art right mm-hmm. and i tied up if this poem goes well or if i perform this monologue or if i sing this song whatever then i'll be loved you know and um and i'm really working to untangle those those sentiments but that's going to take that's going to take years you know and <laughs> and it and it'll still like even as i try to unpack it there's still these little lingerings like yeah but what if you know right <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh and and i just yeah i think um i think for me like it's 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 becoming now of like just getting back to the like um I always kind of like roll my eyes when people are like, you know, going to the gym is my therapy or like writing poetry is my therapy. And I'm like, no, my therapy is my therapy. But <laughs> but part of my therapeutic practice is writing poetry, mm-hmm. you know, or 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 painting is part of my practice, you know, and 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 I think I think, you know, I'm not trying to say go do this. I guess I'm just this is the again, another ADHD impulse is like <laughs> hearing a thing. And so I'm telling a story about myself because that relates to it, you know, yes. um, is like, is like for me is coming back to the, like, I'm going to do this because it makes me feel better when it's done. Um, and also on the other side too, like the idea of like a deadline or the, the idea of meaning in general is arbitrary and uh, fiction, you yeah. know? So like, just make up a deadline, you know? <laughs> Because it's all made up. It doesn't work that way, though. If it's like a self-imposed made-up deadline, somehow it just doesn't have the same effect. But 
does it feel good i'm not meaning to spin into like let's coach you or anything Mm. but like but like does it help if you like tell someone what the deadline is and then make them kind of come into it because that's helped me in the past maybe i could try that i don't know i don't mean to suddenly i you didn't (laughs) ask for advice and i'm not meaning to get it but uh um you know on that end um I think that spins to to one of the sort of like spine questions of the show is, you know, these questions of friendship and what does it mean to be a friend? And, you know, as I've I've told this story countless times on the show, but it's like, you know, so much of the spirit of the show has come down to questioning whether or not I've been a good friend. And Mm. and and through my recent years journey of this diagnosis, I've recognized like what a part my neurodivergent brain has played in that and and how much a neurodivergent brain struggles to make and maintain friends and and how it's like always being the weird kid who would have a friend for a year and then having a like a a meltdown or having some kind of you know autistic screeching and then suddenly like you know (laughs) that suddenly I don't have those friends again you know yeah and and taking the blame on for myself right um and and I guess I guess to, to to you what does it mean to be a friend um especially with everything you're learning about about yourself yeah that that's a really tough question honestly like i'm kind of in the same vein as what you just said like it's like out of sight out of mind mm-hmm. like if you're not in front of me you don't exist right and that's totally an adhd thing but i'm so good at like situational friendships or like like showmances, but with <laughs> friends, yes. you know, yeah. like people I work with, or, you know, you're on a project together and I just like get super close with these people. And then it's like, Oh, I'm going to be so sad when this is over. And then yeah, I'm not like two days later, it's like, it never happened. Right. And, um, yeah, I really struggle maintaining friendships and like, you know, there's that sort of cliche where it's like, oh, I haven't seen you in two years, but we sit down and it's like we've, it's when yesterday, you know, and, um, but like, what is it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But like, what does it mean to like be there for someone? What does it mean to, um, like my brother has a really close group of friends. They're like, their ride or die kind of thing and he has a christmas party every year and he always invites me and steven and um you know he's like seven years younger than me so the crowd is a little <laughs> like they're, he's pushing 40 now but like you know it's sometimes i'm like i can't party with 20 year olds anymore you know but yeah. we always go and whatever and i you know by the time i've had two or three drinks i'm always just like his tribe is just so there for him and I always like tear up (laughs) and like I have to like leave because I'm gonna ruin the party but I I just seeing him with his friends and they all like they're like introduce themselves I'm like oh you know I'm Levi's sister and they're like oh your brother's so awesome like and I'm just like I don't have that I never have and I'm like a, I'm just so happy for him that he does. And he is such an amazing guy. And all these people are just like there for him and he's there for them. And, but I'm just like, I don't even know. I can't even imagine what that's like. Yeah. Like if I won a contest that was like, bring eight friends, I would be like, I don't, 
who am I going to fight? Yeah. I guess I'll bring my dad. Yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> but yet, there's so many people that I look back in my life and I'm just so grateful that they played such a huge role in my life at the time. And um, just because that I've, I've drifted away doesn't mean it's less meaningful to me or that they made less of an impact on me. Mm-hmm. And... Um, like, I don't know how to, how to like reciprocate that. I have no idea if those relationships were as meaningful to them as they were to me, you know, I I have no idea if I have just walked through life, just take, 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 taking from all these people. And did they get anything in return? You know, so you're you're voicing my inner model. (laughs) So I've, I mean, I like to think I know, like the dictionary de- definition of a friend. I hope I've been that to someone, mm-hmm. you know, but I really, like, I don't think I'm anybody's ride or die, except maybe like Steven. And <laughs> I, I don't. I love maybe Steven. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe, I don't know, maybe if he was in crisis, he wouldn't come to me because he'd be mm. like, <laughs> gestures vaguely like (laughs) maybe he'd go to someone who has their shit together a little better i don't know but like yeah so i don't know yeah like there there have been so you know and i traveled for quite a few years after university and so like literally all over the world there's dozens of people that i like think about a lot Mm -hmm. who like helped me and who meant a lot to me but I haven't spoken to them in a decade kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's your, like I say, that's my inner monologue is this question of like, it's what that spirit of that question is, is like, have I been a friend? Like, I, like what even, like the fuck does that even mean? You know, like, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I'm so you're, you're, Oh my God, you're just vocalizing so many of my inner turmoils of like, I, I think so fondly about all the people who've had been in my life and all the things they've done for me and all the things that I've tried to do for them and all the ways I hold them so tenderly in my heart. And then I also am like, when it's not there, did it matter? Did it mean anything? And I'm trying really hard to say, like, I'm trying really hard. It's another therapy tactic uh, is, is what, what Scott, my guy, he, he, he gets me to do is, you look at a situation for only what it is and mm-hmm. not for, you know, not compared to anything else, not weighted against another experience, not, you know, this is better than that. This is worse than that. Just, you just let it be it. And there's no meaning other than what you ascribe to it. So why not give it no meaning, you know, um, because there is no meaning to anything. It's just, mm-hmm. you just were alive, you know? Um, and Again, it it brings out this like joy and excitement, but it also brings out such a deep sadness because I I, I agree. I, and this is something I've been really struggling with with this show recently is interviewing people who have these really deep, intimate groups who go back years and and they they always recommend like, yeah, just, you know, just like just put the time in. And it's like, Bubba, I am 36 <laughs> when I when I put in 10 years of work i'm gonna be almost 50 and so like (laughs) cool okay you know and and you know there's there's a there's a there's a cynicism to that and there's a pressure to that but it's also like well 
should I be so lucky to be alive at almost 50? You know, like, and that would be great to have a group of friends at almost 50. So, so why would I be resistant to it? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, these, it's these cyclical spins. Yeah. I'm really vocalizing my, my, like my, my inner shame spiral here. <laughs> you, know? you just always find the, like, what's the roadblock? What's the roadblock? You know? Yeah. But um feels like the, a pinball machine, you know? But, uh, yeah. But, uh, but I mean, sorry to go like, no back to adhd but yeah yeah being unable to imagine yourself having a future is an adhd thing so like being able to say if i put in the work now when i'm 50 i'll have a group of friends forget about it means nothing yeah it's like unless it's gonna give me some kind of validation or excitement or something right now it's like yeah, why would I do, do it? it? Yeah. Well, and that's something I've been really struggling with is is in in moving to a new city and in trying to make new friends, you know, I've been really desperate. I've been admittedly very very frantic at times to be like, let's get into it now, you know, mm. like let's be 10 year friends in 10 seconds, you know, so that I so that I have someone because I'm so fucking alone and I'm yeah. so fucking lonely, you know, and and that's just not how you make friends, you know? No, not not usually, no. <laughs> Unless you find another freak, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or um, in artificial situations, like when I was teaching in Korea mm-hmm. and I had like 10 other expats that I worked with, yes. it was like, okay, these are your friends now. And it was that sort of situation. Yeah. But like... Yeah, normal life doesn't really work that way. Mm. Um, this is a new question I've been incorporating off and on throughout the new interviews um, that I that I kind of uh, dovetail from this question of of how you know, especially at our ages, like how do you how do you make friends? <laughs> how do you do it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, my tactics have seemed to be like oversharing. Um... <laughs> um like uh, like hyper focusing on people mm-hmm. which um comes across as like aggressive and mm. often mistaken for like sexual advances yes yes which it never is mostly never um okay. <laughs> <laughs> um like i don't know how many times i've had to have a talk with particularly a guy friend where they're like i just i'm not in i'm like oh gosh no I just really think you're cool. (laughs) (laughs) And then when, when they like hear that enough times that they believe it, they usually like, okay, yeah, we can be this weird friend. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that's something that I find so much frustration in. And, and, and that's been such an element of my exploration of friendship in general is like, you know, it seems like society conditions us to only have intimacy with people we're fucking, you know? Mm. And, and it's like, no wonder we're also fucking lonely, you know, because you impose like this, like this, like this, like um, institutional monogamy on everyone. And then you don't let anyone else in, you make this one partner, you're everything. And then you wonder why you're, Un, like un, untapped and you wonder why you're lonely and frantic and you know one mm-hmm. person can't hold like i i can't hold all myself 
I shouldn't. Ex- I can't expect one other person to hold all of me. Like I need multiple, multiple yeah. intimate connections. And yeah. you know, yeah. If we, if we, if we do, if we do, you know, no pants stuff, that's awesome. But that's not really the requirement of intimacy. You know, yeah. and 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 I think, I think that's fucking exhausting. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm curious because I know like you've been very public with this like sort of like inner self journey that you've been on (laughs) for the last like couple of years. Um, And I have also been like getting lots of therapy and all, you know, so I'm curious if like, I don't really believe in like epiphanies or like breakthroughs Mm -hmm. where you're just like, Oh, suddenly I'm better. Um, but I'm curious if you've had any moments that felt like that where something just like suddenly the puzzle pieces fit together, like apart from like a diagnosis or like if anything ever came up yeah, um, that sort of changed the radio station in your head or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Actually, it's so funny you used the analogy puzzle piece because that was, that was one of them in a therapy session where where I was, I was talking about, you know, it's like I'm building this puzzle, and and I've I've got all the pieces kind of almost around, and and uh, and Scott was like, well, I think the first thing to remember is that there's nothing to solve, so it's not a puzzle, mm. <laughs> you know, like he's like, there's there's nothing to solve here. You're just living, you know, um, and so sort of like scrap the puzzle off the top <laughs> table, you know, um, in in my experience a lot of times what it's been has been like laying all these foundations that I'm not really sure what each thing is. I believe it as an individual thought, but I'm not quite sure how it fits in my body yet. And mm. then, and then I lay these groundwork of a few of them and then something happens where they sort of all come into play. And then suddenly it's like, Oh, that's why you do that. You know, um, things like framing things like, um saying i want to versus i need to um things like recognizing you know the uh the sort of uh the analogy of like putting your air mask on first before saving other people you know um these little things that all make sense individually and then suddenly they all play together in a situation and you go oh shit i've got all these tools at hand and Mm -hmm. like it's working you know um and and um you know so elements of like yeah taking yourself taking care of yourself first is not is like healthy ego you know it's not selfish it's it's good to to be okay first you know and it's not like i think i think it's been kind of bastardized with like how you gonna love somebody else if you don't love yourself like i don't think that's that's like that's not real that's a that's just like that's garbage words you know but but the sentiment behind it holds truth you know mm-hmm. um it's like how are you going to take care of anyone else if you if you can't take care of yourself you know um even then that's not even the full truth because like yeah sometimes you need help you know um so i think it's like yeah i have had those epiphany moments often those come in moments of stress and often those comes in moments of trauma which then like like years ago if it was the same situation would have dug in and gotten worse but because of the groundwork i've been laying i'm able to like shift and have a new experience because i'm changing how i react to stuff um but but i think maybe one of the biggest epiphanies i have has 
have had has been that like you can't just change you know you 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 like you can change but it's not just like you think it and it's done it's oh i'm gonna have to think this every time for the rest of my life and sometimes i'm not gonna want to and sometimes Mm -hmm. i i'm gonna forget and sometimes i'm gonna i'm gonna think it and still not do it and and there's gonna be any number of things right you know so it's uh, i think that has been such a core element of it is just like recognizing that there's nothing to fix it's just like being aware of it and then deciding in the next contextual moments whether or not you're going to do that or not you know yeah and uh again it comes back to that thing of like it's really fun but it's so scary (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah um how about yourself? Have you have you had anything like that in your sort of first? You know, I th- I feel like you were kind of describing it a bit in through your diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh... well, I remember um, in a therapy session one time talking about like my crippling perfectionism, <laughs> and uh, she asked me like, "Where do you think that comes from? Like, like can we get to the bottom of that?" I was like, well, my mom and dad are both perfectionists, but like it manifests in different ways. Like my mom has to be like on top of everything all the time. And my dad, like me, just like, if he doesn't believe he can do it perfectly, he's not going to do it at all. Yeah. And she's like, okay, fair. Like you could have learned that from them or genetics, who knows, but that's Mm -hmm. kind of a bullshit cop-out answer. (laughs) Like, you know, like, where do you think this really comes from? And, um, it, was, it wasn't just like one conversation, but I remember a particular one where we were talking about, again, the death of my sister and how I like vowed that I would like live a life that um, like honored her. And which is like such an incredible pressure to put on yourself. So how can anything ever be good enough if you're trying to live up to like someone who is and and the thing too about like grief and like you know looking back on someone's life is of course they're going to always seem better than they actually were right yeah. So and she was so young when she died too so it was extra like she hadn't had time to not live up to her potential yet, you know? (laughs) So she was nothing but potential. So putting that pressure on myself, like, yeah, of course, I'm never going to be able to live up to that. And I like, it was like a marble dropping into like a bowl of water. It was just like, holy crap. And I just like bawled in my session. And then I actually went went to a show at Persephone that night. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then um, that night went home, whatever, woke up in the middle of the night. It was like 3 a.m. And I just puked my guts out Uh, for seemingly no reason. Like, unless it was the meatballs opening night at Persephone, which I haven't entirely ruled out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then... Yeah, I woke up the next day and I was like, okay, that was weird. But it was like, I'd been carrying this thing and then 
like physically my body rejected it mm-hmm. and and like i said i i and you know fixing yourself quote unquote it's a daily like you put in the work you make the choices you know it's not just like oh an epiphany today's the day and tomorrow i'm a new person kind of thing but that figuring out like yeah like you can never live up to that and also like if there is an afterlife and if she's looking down on you do you think she's looking at you thinking like wow way to way to waste your life shanda like you call this an honor to me like no i'm sure she's looking down and she's proud of me like regardless you know so and there's something to you to be said about like something i've learned is that in moving that energy through your body it's not that it takes the experience it away but it takes the energy of that experience and it either removes it or it changes it, you know? So having these big cathartic cries, having these expulsions, you know, they are needed. They are needed to move through the feeling. And, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, like you can never take time away. You can never forget something. You can never change what happened, but you can change how it feels within your body. And that does sometimes happen very rapidly and very suddenly sometimes mm-hmm. you know i know i've i've had moments where something's sprung up in me about a a, a trauma or, or another and and i've had these like massive wails about them and you know that feeling has never come back since i'll, I'll still think about it it'll still come up it sometimes some of them still do hurt, but they don't hurt the same way. You know, mm-hmm. that the feeling is changed in my body and it's because my body let that energy move through it and mm-hmm. then, and then go away. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? That's really interesting too. Cause I, um, I don't know. Timelines are weird. I think it was about six years ago. I got like diagnosed with depression, I started mm. medication, but I also started getting massages every month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's this one knot in the back of my shoulder blade and it's almost gone now. But that massage therapist would dig her elbow into that knot and it was like she was opening the portal to hell. And it wasn't pain. It was painful, but it wasn't just pain. It was like catharsis. Yeah. All of the demons that I had stored in my soul were behind that knot. And uh, I would just be like silently weeping on the massage table, not because of the pain, but just something about it was just stored in that spot. Yeah. And uh, like I, you know, I I sit at a desk all day. I still have tight shoulders, but that like, it was like a trauma knot. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, you know, leading back from the, from the friendship question, this is, this is a new question I've incorporated this season is this idea of like, if, if friendship is boiled down to like the one-on-one, then I guess you can expand that into like, you know, community is multiple versions of that one-on-one. And, and it's another one of those, those words that, that means so much and means nothing and it gets thrown around, but it often feels like it's being misused or it's not being used right or whatever it might be. And, and, and to me, I, I continue to really struggle with the question of community and, you know, I'm looking for my community and I feel like I'm getting into stuff, you know, jo- you know, rejoining the queer community and, 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 you know, rediscovering myself within that after putting it away for so long and so traumatically, you know, and so like, you know, there's, there's, 
there's elements of finding community that I'm exploring, but I'm still not quite sure I trust the word. And mm. and I'm really curious to you, what does the initial question is like, what does community mean to you? Again, I kind of like, I know what I want it to mean. <laughs> um, I know like the sort of dictionary definition of what I think it means, but um, like the closest thing I could ever think in my life that I've had to being part of one is when I was really involved with tonight's poetry and the, the um, spoken word poetry slam community, I guess. Um, I don't know. I guess it's like on the surface, it's like a group of people with like a combined goal or like shared values or something. Mm. Um, I don't think it necessarily has to be like, like physically or geographically close. Mm -hmm. Like you can have online communities or whatever, but yeah, I feel people who support each other and like, um, yeah, have some kind of shared, something that they share i guess yeah Mm -hmm. um and how do you find you know this is a this is a a a sentence i hear all the time of like showing up in community you know Mm -hmm. you show up in community and i'm I'm wondering what does that what does it mean to you to show up (laughs) oh gosh i feel like i haven't shown up for anybody in a really long time including (laughs) myself i I think that's why i'm asking it because i'm like how do you do that what is that i don't think i am Well, I mean, there's like the literal, actual, like showing up, like if you're a friend is like in a show or like doing a poetry reading or their band is playing like to literally go there and do the thing and literally show up for them. But like beyond that, I don't know, like uh, it's, it's kind of hand in hand with like holding space, I think too, Mm. just like it's almost like taking up the the room around someone almost like building a shield so that they have the room to like process the thing whatever it is mm. so you don't you know you don't have to worry about like what am i going to eat today it's like i got you i'll bring you some food you just worry about whatever it is mm-hmm. i don't know it's it's uh, it sounds to me like you know it's like the concept of safe spaces right you know like a safe space isn't for everyone a safe space is for the people who need to be safe you know mm-hmm. and i think i think so much of the pushback from concepts like safe spaces come from people who like aren't safe for that space and mm-hmm. so they're trying to like get and it's like no 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 this is like a safe space isn't inclusive that's the point you mm-hmm. know it's exclusive and that's how we make it safe you know is that we don't just let anyone in it's just mm-hmm. for who needs it right and um yeah and that that but that's hard too because it's like how do you choose who gets in who how do you choose who gets you know can you expel people you know like yeah um, um, when someone's in the space and then they're suddenly not safe, what do you do? You know, there's so many, like, people. People are just... Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, did, I, I, so I didn't miss peopling during the pandemic. That was one thing. Fuck. What yeah. are... 
that's the thing. Oh my god, that whole couple of years, it was like so awful and so traumatic, and there was so much pain that came out of it. And then there were silver lining moments of like, yeah, and I didn't have to do so many things I hated mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I just have the one other question, but uh, before we do, you know, I really do. I want to take a second and just say like, thank you so much, first of all, for coming on the show and chatting with me. And, and um, you know, you, I, I've been thinking a lot about you and Stephen both, um, not only in the run up to this interview, but like over the last couple of months. And, and I was thinking about how, how much you meant to me when I was in town and then how much it meant to me, you know, I realized we like, we, we did, we lost contact when I left, but like, you were one of the only people in Saskatoon who like reached out to me and and checked checked in on me. You know what I mean? And um, and I don't I haven't forgotten that. And 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 I know you know like we've talked about. I, I am a out of sight, out of mind person, and I and I I'm working on not hating that about myself. But um, but it is just a fact of my brain that I struggle with object permanence. And but every time you enter my mind. I'm just flooded with another wave of just like love and admiration and just adoration. And um, I, yeah, I just want to thank you for, for being a part of my life. And, and, you know, um, I'm hopeful someday we'll see each other in person again, but like, if that doesn't happen, like, um, you know, we'll still stay connected online if that's yeah. good, you know, if that's all <laughs> we can. Right. So, so, you know, yeah. I love you, Shanda. And I really appreciate you. Thank you. I, I feel the same way. Like, um whenever I think about oh you know when we would hang out in person when you lived here I always just left feeling so like challenged but like in a good way and just like you always had so much passion for everything and I always was just like it was so contagious and you always made me want to like write a play or (laughs) build a cathedral or who knows right but yeah and I I mean I I see you on social media I don't really post very much but I definitely check in on you on there and you're in my mind a lot too like i wish we could just like sit down and have a beer you know i know i know yeah. <laughs> rough it's rough out here in canada you know? <laughs> years years ago a friend of mine once described that that like sort of that that pain of missing friends as like wishing that they could just like take all the people they loved and just like put them in her pocket you know and just you could just be my pocket people and we could just go wherever we need to you know and i just yeah you're definitely a pocket person for me, you know. Well, thanks. Um, um, the last question of the show. I I always love to to end off on a little bit of like a like an actionable kind of tip for the listeners, and I'm wondering if you have one thing that listeners could try doing this week to be a better friend, whether it's to themselves or to their community. I mean, at the risk of sounding vague, I guess, like, showing up, (laughs) (laughs) figuring out, like, whatever that means, like, go to your friend's gig or, like, like if there's a rally in support of some, like, some marginalized people or something that you care about, go or um, reach out to someone who you know has been having a rough time or even if they're not just just say hey we haven't talked in a while i was thinking about you like i love you kind of thing yeah i don't know that's um like 
yeah, I guess figuring out what showing up could mean yeah. in a big or small way. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of like, you know, because it's like, yeah, I, I, I ask, you know, my guests that question, but it's like, I think everybody should be asking it for themselves, you know, kind of all the time because it can mm -hmm. also change, you know, um, a recent guest, you know, talked about how like your capacity and your like good enough changes every day. You know, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not a consistent every day. This is the bar. It's like, okay, where's the bar today? You know? Um, mm -hmm. and then accepting that and realizing that it's a, it's a roller coaster. It's not a upward mountain, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. um, you know, I really love that. So yeah. So, so listeners go do that. That's uh, <laughs> that's, there's a challenge. Um, well, Shanda, you're, you're just, you're the fucking best. Thank you so much. You're wonderful. Um, is there anywhere that you'd like listeners to find you? Do you want to, do you want to, do you want them to find you? Do you want to say mysterious? What, what's your preference? I mean, um, uh, you could, there's not much to like look at. <laughs> I'm, I'm mostly like Instagram is the one I use most and it's just anti Shanda on Instagram, but I don't, um. I don't do much on, on the interwebs these days. So <laughs> lots of cat photos. If you like cute cats, that's mostly what's on my socials. So beautiful. beautiful. Well, I, those links will be in the show notes and uh, yeah. Shanna, one more time. Thank you so much. I love you so goddamn much. And, uh, and I hope you have just the best fucking day. Well, thank you. Same to you. <laughs> And that's it. Thank you once more to Shanda for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure catching up with her, and I really hope I get to do that again soon. If you like the show, please be sure to give it a review anywhere you can. Every review helps. Give it a five star. It's free for you, and it helps me out. If you want more friendless content, do not forget to sign up for the weekly Substack. Every Wednesday, you're going to get a brand new update straight to your inbox or on the Substack app, whichever you prefer. It's going to have brand new writing from me along with a curated playlist for the month and recommendations of things that I've been enjoying that week. Anything from books, music, movies, podcasts, distractions, toys, all kinds of fun stuff. It's a ton of fun to write and I've been getting great feedback from readers. So be sure to sign up if you haven't yet. It is always free and it is in the links in the show notes. But that's it for me, so I'm just going to wrap this up here. Be sure to follow Friendless on all the social medias at FriendlessPod and follow along to uh, at Hey Sorry I Missed You on Instagram for my daily novel that I've been writing this year. I will be back with a brand new episode next week, and I really hope to catch you there. But I'm not going to worry about that right now, and neither should you, because that is then and this is now. So for now, I'll just say I love you, and I wish you well. Fun and safety, sweeties. <laughs>